Uh, welcome to another episode of the One of One podcast on Probably Nothing. I'm Jeremy Fault, and with me is the lovely Jen Sanasi. Hello. I am a one of one, Jen Sanasi. I don't think there's any other one on this planet. So No, there, def- there definitely is not. Also, I know that you were really dying to give us a really in-depth uh, explanation and opinion on the merge, if you want to start with that. Totally. So all I can say about it is it's happening. Who thought we would see this day? And although it's happening, none of us know what is going to happen. So think about that for a hot second. No, absolutely. And you know, what's crazy is that Google has a countdown. Did you see this? No. So if you, I'd like for us to experience this uh, together in real time. So if you'd like to pull up a browser window right now and type Ethereum merge, that's M-E-R-G-E. Now look at the top of the page when you Google that. Oh my God, there's these little bears. So we have this thing that says merge countdown, right? uh, Jen wants to really explain to us what current difficulty is, hash rate and merge difficulty. So if you could please explain, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I'm just going to use one of my lifelines. I think I haven't watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in a really long time, but I think they allow you to divert back to the host now. So they do. Yeah, take it away. They do, yes. And that, (laughs) and I will give you the answer that the current difficulty is actually 585-6652P. In case what does that mean? I, the fuck do I know, to be completely honest okay. with you? I, I really have no <laughs> idea what's going on here. But my understanding of the merge, all jokes aside, uh, is a very simplified one, which is essentially that merging cur- the current uh, proof of work platform that uh, Ethereum works on, it's merging to a proof of stake platform, meaning it'll reduce the way that transactions are validated on the blockchain, yep. it'll reduce carbon emissions speed up things and also reduce gas fees, basically to make things better for the environment and for us to save time and money, which is the goal. The reason why everyone's talking about speculating is no one knows if it's gonna actually work or do anything, if it's gonna completely tank the market or if we're all gonna become trillionaires overnight. I think it's also important to know there's so many news stories out there about the merge, what to do, what not to do. But if you're just getting into crypto and you hold ether, you don't need to do anything you know, sit back, enjoy the ride. There's nothing you need to do. Don't freak out. You're not going to lose your ether. Um, hopefully if everything goes well, <laughs> you'll hold on to, to everything you own. And so if you're just getting into crypto, sit back, enjoy the ride. It's a very historical moment that's about to happen. Yeah, it's actually really cool. I mean, it, it was interesting because this morning I saw uh, an article, actually CBS uh, covered it, which, and it was actually a rather nice article, very clear explanation, I think. And I was like, wow, this is cool because most of the time, uh, mainstream doesn't really cover things like this. And I was really pleasantly surprised because like next to CBS was like Coindesk, you know, obviously my obviously one of my favorite publications. Ah, you have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but to dive more into you, right, which is mm-hmm. more, far more interesting than the merge. If you could give us a quick intro where you're from, where you're up to, where your journey began, where your favorite pizza is, there's like everything possible. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm Jen Sanasi. Uh, I got into the industry in, I think, like 2017, and I got in via an incubator. So I'm from Canada. I live in Toronto. There's this incubator at the University of Toronto called the Creative Destruction Lab. I joined the blockchain bootcamp there because I was, at the time, working on my confidence in a business sense. And I was like, what better way to work on confidence than to go to this thing called the blockchain bootcamp, where I have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm just going to be my most authentic self. Um, and on the first day, I met my co-founders. <laughs> we we started working on a company called Streambed Media. Uh, we recently wound it down. Uh, we pivoted a bunch of times, as many do in the startup world. But where we ended up was we were looking to solve some of the 
uh, intellectual property issues in the NFT landscape. And so since the Creative Destruction Lab, I've taken a really kind of deep dive into the space. It sounds so, so cheesy. But before um, before I got into this, I always worked in like media, journalism, whatever. And I, I thought I had my niche. I was like kind of struggling to find it. I was like, what is my niche? What is my purpose? And this sounds so stupid and cheesy, but I really just feel like I'm going to be in this industry forever. And I found it and I'm just, you know, so happy. So this is your niche. This is where I enjoy to operate. I, I wouldn't say I'm like an expert or anything. I'm just learning along with everyone else. But yeah, I love I love working on the problems I'm solving, figuring out the technology every day. It's just super fun. From my understanding, you're trying to make Web3 accessible, which is a lot of us are trying to do this, right? And what's your vision for how that's possible, right? Because you know, one of our things are probably nothing is also onboarding the next 100 million people, right? So mass adoption is a yeah. key. What's your What's your vision on this? So I think that, you know, to make Web3 accessible, there's just so much education that has to be done. And everyone keeps saying that. Um, and I think that a lot of us are building education for for each other, but we're not thinking about the end user. We're not thinking about the next 100 million users, the next billion users. How the are normies. they? The normies. The normies. Yeah, the normies. We got to think like normies. Yeah, so I, I think education is really important. And I mean, my my strength and my love is in storytelling. I'm a journalist. I've been doing it for 15 years. And so if I can lend my voice to speaking to people in a normal way without using all of this technical jargon and bridge some of, some of the gaps between um, the technology and the people, I'm super, super happy to do that. And so, you know, I've like worked with, with brands, obviously I have a show on Coindesk and, and I think the way to onboard the next hundred million users is to really get out there and speak to the hundred million users. I, I think in this industry, we get so caught up in talking to each other and getting so excited about the ETH merge and I don't know, talking about the latest hack and the latest DeFi products, but we're not talking to those next hundred million users, figuring out what they understand, what they don't understand and how they can actually benefit from, from the technology. I find that we're following a lot of, a lot of trends and we're not doing a lot of talking to those customers. And so I hope to kind of bridge that gap and just speak in a normal way about this very exciting thing that's happening. The biggest thing too, is I think when we try to onboard people, everyone assumes that we need to onboard people to understand everything from the totally. front end of it to all the way to the tech. And it's like, when you get someone to sign up for Gmail, you don't explain to them how the algorithm at Google works. And I think that that is an important thing that we're gonna have to figure out is like, how do you make these pillars coexist where you can add, you can onboard people on one of them. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. And now everything is so convoluted right now where you're, when you, when you learn about crypto, it's like, if you don't understand the technicalities of the merge, it's like, oh my God, I'm behind. But it's like, no, we gotta have people understand that what a wallet is. You know, and then that's okay to get them to just understand that for starters. And then we'll see over time, right? Because I think tackling the, the industry as a whole, we just, you can't gain mass adoption that way. It's too complex. Totally. I mean, this morning, Starbucks came out with their story of the NFT project they're launching uh, with their loyalty program. And what was interesting to me about the story is they it doesn't sound like they really want to mention NFTs. They don't want to explain the technology. They just really want to explain to people who already shop at Starbucks, who already mm -hmm. participate in their loyalty program, how this is going to benefit them. Like, what does this digital collectible mean and what does it get you? And I think that's the kind of right way to approach approach some of these projects. Yeah, because then everyone in the space was like, Polygon, Polygon, why? And it's like, well, who the fuck cares? They're yeah. getting people, they're, and they're, you think their people are going to be like, shit, it's on Polygon. Like, they're not trying to target the crypto savvy, you know what I mean? Like, and that's good. We need things to coexist. Everyone thinks that there's one answer to everything. And it's just like, that's just not the vibe, you know?
Yeah, that's exactly it. And I mean, I guess we'll see what happens uh, after the merge, but I, I think some of these other chains that have been sitting in Ethereum's shadows are really going to find their, not find their footing because chains like Polygon have found their footing, but find this, the place that's going to make them shine. And that's going to be through partnerships like this, right? Not everyone has to be Ethereum. Not everything has to be on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. It's okay. What I found very interesting is seeing, you know, we, a lot of what we do is web two, um, like bring web two brands into web three. I've seen some of the brands that we've worked with do things without us and it just doesn't work. Right. It's so strange how, you know, at first, like if you'd have asked me this like six months ago, I would say, you know, Coca-Cola, let's say dropped an FT tomorrow, take credit cards, guaranteed sellout. And now mm -hmm. today I'd be like, no, actually they should probably cater to the DGENs. It's preferable they do ETH because a lot of the other platforms like are having issues. So it's a really weird market where I'm like, you still have to be pretty web three savvy, you know, doing an unknown coin. And we're seeing a lot of these coins fail that are just not seeing the light of day because for some reason they're not, you know, they're not getting that level of exposure. So how do you, how do you feel in general about how traditional media covers the space? It's interesting. I think traditional media largely ignored the space until people sold a $69 million piece of digital art, and then they were forced to cover the space. I don't think they are to blame. I think they've had to do a lot of catching up. They didn't have to cover the space for so long. It wasn't something their readers were interested in. And so you had the very few, very technical people who probably lived within the walls of like um, the technology editorial department at a publication who understood it. And now it's like, everyone needs to understand it because it touches the creator industry. It touches the technological industry. It, it, it touches everything, right? It touches consumer packaged goods. And so I don't think it's their fault. I think it's very obvious that they are playing catch up, but I think it's okay. I think we're all learning as we go. And the more reporting that they are forced to do on it because their audience cares, the, the more understanding they will have and it will, it will get better. And so because of that, I think we're seeing more and more mainstream media cover what's happening in the industry, which is good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful of the day that they cover positive things. That's a, a great critique. It's always in the mainstream media hacks and we're boiling the oceans. And this is just kind of a horrible thing that's happening. You are 100% right. But some of the things they latch onto are issues in the industry that we need to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's been some amazing stories I've seen of things that we've done that have managed to you know, free mints that we've released that have ended up supporting families. And I, again, look, I, I, people talk shit about paper hands and flippers and whatnot. And I have, I have no problem with that. Like we all have, it's all, we all have our own journey. We might've said that you're not allowed to sell something like that's obscene, but you know, I've seen people like send me messages like, Hey, I made $1,200 off of this thing that you gave out for free and I can feed my family for four or five months. And I'm like, that shit needs to hit the mainstream. Like that's insane that we're able to create this like a global economy essentially that's so underground right now. And, you know, I've bought art before because I liked it and it's been from artists that really needed the money and I didn't know, you know? So I wish those things were, were considered more, you know, instead of, you know, Gary Gensler saying that like everything we're doing is fucking criminal and we're essentially, everything's a security that makes you money when I'm like, you resell a pair of sneakers, it's not a fucking security. So I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so done with hearing Gary Gensler go on and on about so done with hearing that. But I, I think you brought up a good point. 
in this industry and in the reporting on this industry, we tend to forget the human stories on mm -hmm. the other side. And those are the really impactful stories, right? And so I think you bring up a really, really great point. And I think the marketing campaigns that are going to win coming out of this cycle are going to focus on those human stories. Like how can, how can all these projects and products really uplift people who have been traditionally locked out of financial systems for as, as long as they've lived. And there are a lot of projects that are doing really cool things. So I think you hit that right on the head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, an example is I was, uh, in the studio with, with Ty Dolla Sign, and I was like, "Hey, we should get your first NFT." We know we've been working on a project together, but I, I post on Twitter. A bunch of people sent theirs, and then he found one he really liked from this artist, and then I got one. And then we just went back to chatting and stuff. And then later on, like an hour later, this this guy sends me a DM. He's like, "Hey, I'm in tears. Like, you know, you guys bought this." He ended up making thirty thousand dollars in sales because when we posted it. Turns out he sends me pictures of his dad. His dad's in a coma, and he's like, "I couldn't pay the medical bills." And then he sends me a picture like a few hours later of him having paid the medical bills. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, like, how did you discover this guy? Like to be an artist in art gallery, you have to have notoriety anyway. So like, how do all these independent artists get seen, you know? And like, for us, it was a few clicks from our phone and ultimately it led to this bigger thing. And then everyone started coming in and then probably nothing covered in the story. It got nowhere on the, in the mainstream press, you know, like yeah. nowhere to be seen. And that had, you know, celebrity factor that had emotional, I guess all the things that a lot of these companies look for to cover. And it's like, no one would cover that because they're like, maybe a scam. I'm like, yeah, no, this guy pays medical bills, totally scamming. We're the ones that, you know what I mean? Like, it's insane. They don't just don't get it. Yeah. I think the mainstream press has, you know, a little hurdle to overcome that's representative of the general perception of the industry, right? It's just, you hear a story like that. You're like, oh, maybe a scam. We don't want to cover it. We need to verify with X amount of sources before we can cover it. And then it gets kind of swallowed by the rest of the news that's happening in the world. And it is really unfortunate because I think that readers and audiences, again, want to hear these really human stories. As you were telling that, um, I remembered. So there's someone in my network here in Toronto who is not in crypto. Their wife had a dream that she should get a board ape. And this was when board apes were just minting, like in July of last year, she just had a dream that she should get a board ape. And she woke up, she's like, I'm going to get this thing. And she got one, but it like last year when board apes were just released and they sold it and they opened up a tire business. Cause that's their family business, like a physical tire business location that is now supporting their family in one of the wow. suburbs of Toronto. And just like, those are the stories that Kind of, kind of really highlight what the technology and, and how the industry can can empower people. And so I'm with you. I think that mainstream media needs to pull their head out of the sand sometimes. I mean, even when you look at like Yuga Labs, like Yuga doesn't get that much mainstream coverage. Like if there was a company doing that well, that was a tech company or fashion or whatever, like they'd be in the press every day. Like this is a company that's backed by like Gaio Seri, A16Z. It's got everything it's got Snoop Dogg, Eminem. It's got everything possible to have constant coverage and it doesn't get shit. Like I remember I saw a GQ story about Board Ape like a few months ago and that was like the first time in a while that I had seen something. And I bet you that writer had to fight to get that thing published. I think one of the other hurdles is NFTs are still seen by the mainstream as a JPEG. And it's that education piece, like what is it actually? What kind of utility is it? Let's talk about the community. There's so much to the story that's missed out. And so I think I think that could be one of the problems. You know, mainstream looks at it, they're like, ah, there's a bunch of tens of millions of dollars. People are buying these JPEGs. They are dumb. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, it's that's the thing too is that what I think is so funny about the space is they're like utility, 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 and then I'm, and then like more utility than art. And I'm like, well, think about it. the highest selling NFTs of all time are art. Look at people. Look at you know, like if that's if you want utility to make money, like you should look at what sells the most. It's art based projects. I have a question though. Please. Do you think art based projects will continue to be at the forefront yes. of the conversation? You do. Why? It's twofold, right? So if you're talking at the forefront of the like conversation in general, I think always because branding, visuals, everything, it's just people are are more prone to that. So when we're onboarding people, they're going to be attracted more to visual. And I think that's why something like Board Apes hasn't hit the mainstream is because like I show my mother a Board Ape and she's like, I can't connect to this emotionally. I don't give a fuck if it's $3 million. You know what I mean? You know, growing up, we connect more to like Mickey Mouse, right? Like there's visuals that are like that. So I think it's easier to, to draw an emotional co connection through visuals. I think the utility aspect is going to be more widely adopted because of the tech. I think it's going to be like, oh, you're at like your hospital and they're like, oh, this is an FT. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. Just like they started with like email lists and stuff like that. But what's going to be at the forefront of getting people to actually take interest, I think is going to be visuals. That's what I think personally, but I think we're going to see a much wider adoption of the actual technology. You disagree? No, I don't disagree. I think we're not going to see, you know, a $69 million NFT go get sold again anytime soon. I think those were the headlines. That was kind of the, for lack of a better word, hoopla around yeah. NFTs uh, on the scene. I don't think we're going to see that much money go into one nft as a collector's item i disagree actually again i i mean like me i'm not saying it will never happen i i think i think you're right in saying that the art is is what's going to attract people to collect them people are visual creatures people want to collect beautiful things but i think that there's going to have to be some kind of purpose attached to that art so for example you know if if we're empowering artists the some artist maybe in an underdeveloped country has has created a collection and now I buy this NFT and I know that part of the proceeds are going back to that artist and previously they weren't able to do that and maybe that's going to support some trade. I think that's how people are going to get into it. I, I don't think we're going to see the big headlines like $69 million for a JPEG. I completely disagree, by the way. I, okay. Let me tell you why. <laughs> okay, and look, I, who the fuck knows? I'm probably, I most likely could be wrong. So this is what I think is going to happen. The major financial institutions are going to start coming in, right? We haven't seen NFTs where like big financial institutions are coming in where like, Fidelity and JP Morgan are like, all right, cool. We're going to sweep the fucking floor, whatever it is. Like it's a lot of, it's like under the radar, right? The same way that like Jeff Koons, I think, and I'm, by the way, I'm not a fan of Jeff Koons, but I'm, I'm giving him a lot of props here. So the way Jeff Koons came into the space, uh, to, came into art was, you know, art is a very, obviously it's a non-regulated industry. It's very much controlled by deep pockets and whatnot. I believe that there's going to be more of these artificially pumped artists or whatever you want to call it, or or heavy money backed artists that are coming in that with people that have billions in crypto are going to back because it is an easier asset to guide because it is a single asset more so than a collective owned by multiple owners. It is easier to drive up the value of a single artist art piece. Do you still believe that to be true if the NF if NFTs become regulated? Yes, because, well, that's a really, that's actually a really good question. Um, I don't know. Actually, that could be the thing that hurts that. However, I am still in the belief that, you know, I think that NFTs 
are going to serve as certificate of authenticity for physical paintings. Dear friends of mine, I'm not going to name them because it's really fucking embarrassing, but they they have a Warhol probably worth like I would say 10, 10 million or something. They lost the fucking certificate of authenticity, the actual paper. Oh, no. So getting authenticated is like a nightmare. And these are like very big art people have very big art connections, right? So, and I laugh, I'm like, you know, if that was an FT, you would never lose it, right? So in a world where that happens, you know, which to your point, like I wonder how that works for regulation even for traditional art. If they ever manage to get to that point, that might affect it. However, I just don't know if they're ever going to manage to regulate it to that level. I think it's, I think regulation is going to come from you make crypto just like other income. It's an asset. You fucking pay taxes and that's it. And if you don't claim, you get audited. And like, I think that will happen for sure. And like Coinbase will be the recognized wallet or, or whatever it is. I really do think that's going to happen because it's a publicly traded company. But I don't know if they're ever going to be able to regulate everything as a, as a security because then they would have, the argument have to be that they'd have to regulate traditional art as a security because it's an asset that's appreciating, right? So it, I don't know if they'll ever manage to do that. Then you have to regulate sneakers. You have to regulate vintage cars. Like there's going to be an argument against the regulation of that. So if that ever happens, yes, they would to ramble. It would hurt my theory, but I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. I think we will see a few more beebles. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I agree with everything, everything that you said there. Uh, and, and maybe we will see a few more beebles. I think for NFT regulation, what it's going to come down to is defining an NFT. And that is a whole other Good luck. Can, can of worms. Yeah. Good luck. So so we'll see. But I, I do believe that Gary Gensler has his eye on NFTs and they are thinking long and hard about how how to regulate it because they don't understand it. That's a, that's an interesting perspective. Regulation is definitely going to change the way things happen, right? And I think we're either going to see mass adoption that way where regulation actually helps mass adoption because people are like, mm -hmm. oh, this is government. Like now I feel safe ironically. And and that's another uh, role that the mainstream media plays. If we see something in the mainstream media and we just constantly hear that it's illegal and there's scams and, and developers are going to jail, we're less likely to participate because we don't want to, we don't want to go to jail. Yeah. And then you read the fine print of those articles and it's like, developers, crypto goes to jail. And you read the article, it's like kills wife and three kids. And I'm like, he didn't go to jail because yeah. he was in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> like you know he went to joke like that's the, if you really read those articles it's always that they get arrested for things that are completely irrelevant to the fact that they're in crypto mm -hmm. i know it's always like insider trading but worked for a, a public trade company i'm like no that has nothing to do with the <laughs> nfts thank you so much uh i'm a big fan of your work i'm a big fan of the hash I'm a big fan of Coindesk. I'm a big fan of everything you do. So thank you. Likewise, big fan of everything you are doing. Thank you.